Welcome back, everybody. How are we all? It's Monday again. Where do these weeks go? They just fly by, don't they? Hope everyone's had a good I don't know, week, two weeks, whatever it's been since I last uh, was in your ears. Any uh, any thoughts about the last podcast? Let me know. I know Jamie was pretty happy to jump back on and answer any questions that any of you may have had. So feel free to drop me a line. Let me know. We are starting to record more and more podcasts um, this end. So hopefully there's going to be plenty of amazing guests for you all to check out over the coming weeks and months. Um, today, I am joined by Sally Parks of Sally Parks Yoga. If you're not aware who she is, um, she is one of Jen's main teachers. She, Jen did her advanced um, kind of yoga teacher practice, which was about an 85 hour practice and also did her pregnancy training with Sally. Um, I think she's done something else with her as well now. Now I come to think of it, I'm not sure. I also did the pregnancy training with Sally. Um, she's amazing. And you'll hear that from this podcast. We get into just about everything. So we talk menstruation and menopause and hormones and yoga and weight training and everything in between. Um, so potentially more for one for you ladies but um chaps there might even be some information for you because we talk a little bit about how understanding some of this might give you a greater understanding of your better half so as always just remember i can be a potty mouth so if needs be stick your headphones in or just teach your kids not to swear uh, if they hear a bad word and enjoy the episode i will be back again soon with Oh, well, I don't know. I think next might be uh, Kay Penafloor, who is my friend, yoga teacher from Canada. And yeah, that should be a nice one too. But in the meantime, enjoy this and see you all on the other side. And welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm back again. And I hope you've all had a wonderful Christmas and New Year because I haven't done that sort of shit yet. So, um, yes, hope you all had a wonderful time and you got a nice relaxing break. Today, 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 I am chatting to a teacher of mine who I went and spent uh, a midweek with, I think. I can't remember now, uh, but I spent some, five days. I spent five days um, studying with uh, Sally, who we're going to talk to. She's also uh, Jen. Obviously, you know my wife, Jen. Uh, she's obviously Jen's teacher, too, who spent numerous weekends and time studying with Sally. So, hello, Sally Parks. Can you introduce yourself, please, and let us know who you are and why we've studied with you, maybe? Ah, here you are. That's quite deep. That's going in deep straight <laughs> away. <laughs> who am I? Uh, right. Hi, everyone. I'm Sally Parks. I've been teaching well-being since 1998, so in the actual last century, which is quite strange to think about. I started off teaching um, fitness stuff when high impact aerobics was the was the thing. However, my knees uh, didn't like it. So by about my mid 20s, I had to switch to Pilates and yoga, which uh, wasn't a problem because I absolutely loved it anyway. And I've been doing it ever since. So I'm basically unemployed, unemployable. So I've had to run my own business. Um, very Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> very high up on the ADHD uh, Richter scale. So I have to employ myself. Uh, which is best for everyone around me, to be honest. 
And uh, so I've run my business since my mid twenties. I'm forty six now, and uh, I've moved more towards women's well being as a speciality in the last ten years, which is how I met Wibbs and and his wife because they came and did my pre and postnatal training. Um, I write a bit, so I write for magazines. Uh, I've got a few books out and stuff, um, which uh, they're out on. Yeah, hey, there it is. Yeah, I've got an anatomy book and things like that, which I'm quite, I'm particularly proud of because I was called quite slow at school and I, uh, my dyslexia was missed and uh, yeah, I had a few names uh, thrown <laughs> at me. So um, in your face, teachers, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> are you Middle doing now? Well? So, exactly. uh, you know, there's a, another, uh, another pointer to not let people tell you what, what and who you are. You know who you are and you can do anything basically. And also um, when you're at school, just to know that uh, well, I've, I've discussed this millions of times with different people. I don't think schools are like that anymore. But... but well, no, to a certain degree, though. So even if it doesn't like however you are at school does not dictate how you're going to be in life. Like, do you sure. know what I mean, I, I was pretty um, I wasn't exactly the, the, the smartest learner. But yet I've kind of I don't know, I still probably learn more now than most people do because I just yeah. have interests. Just follow your interests and you'll keep learning. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you're forced to learn something you're not particularly interested in, uh, you you just it's near impossible to engage for a, a lengthy period of time in order to learn that subject. You know, for as long as you need to in order to learn it, you don't you don't literally don't switch on the right brain chemicals. To no, engage. you literally can't. No, so there we go. So basically, that's how I met Sally. So uh, I was I don't think I was your first. Maybe I was your first. Maybe I was your second male. Um, male yoga teacher who came to do your pregnancy i think you'd have one yeah, before i can't remember if it was broad. before or after i went to teach in um ho chi minh city because i, I had two male teachers on that okay so you were my third third i was the first UK. and it stayed at that figure no more since yeah oh actually i had a lovely chap mike who came on a postnatal training in london yeah so there's four actually four. Four. And he wants to do the menopause training too what a legend i mean i to be fair though i think that's a, a pretty um a solid idea because um uh yeah i mean to be fair as a man even purely not from a work perspective but from a, a personal perspective i think having a better understanding of uh menopause as you kind of get into relationships later in life is probably a, a really good idea to have a greater understanding of what somebody else is going through yeah i think it um i think it pays off yeah, well, <laughs> I to have a bit of an idea uh, you want to stay some... in that relationship yeah, right. This is something that I've kind of discussed with um, one of my other teachers. So I had him on, um, Patrick McEwen, who's a breathwork guy. Uh, we discussed about the idea of how even just in menstrual cycles for women um, and understanding the, the fluctuations of progesterone and estrogen at different parts of the cycle and how that affects your breathing and how the progesterone can drive up yeah. your breath rate. So therefore, you can end up like having a more stress and anxious state in certain parts of your um cycle and actually if as a man for this is my perspective if you can begin to notice that normally you just get like really frustrated and pissed off when um your other half is like getting shitty and pissy with you and because they're yeah. you know, pre-menstrual or whatever or post-menstrual or mid-menstrual potentially it could, be all, all, it. could be all of it um <laughs> but but it, i this is hopefully what i'm have begun to found more so is that actually you can have a far greater um kind of understanding and kind of care and be like actually this is like not necessarily within 
your control. This is like a big change within hormones, yeah. just driving something, which, you know, probably very, very hard to, it's mind over matter is not exactly an easy thing to do in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you just need, from a women's perspective, women's perspective sometimes you just need a bit of time on your own. And that yeah. can be quite hard for the other person to understand if they don't work like that. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a bit more rest. Sometimes you need to go for a run. It it just really differs with everyone. And, yeah. and throughout the month, as you say, it, it totally differs. So just even if people have just got a, just a, a vague awareness of the, you know, the ups and downs of it, it's it's helpful because then they know it's not about them. Mm-hmm. well hopefully it's not about them well I mean uh, it could be it could be it could be, <laughs> <laughs> it. Men can be pretty shit and the cycle is the the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah <laughs> but um yeah just that that little bit of rest but I think we're moving into a different age with that now it's it's okay to talk about it I mean we had a I still remember the talk about periods at school we we got given some um some sanitary wear and no one really knew how to use it and we got these little pink bags we had to hide in and then um we sort of went back to the change rooms it was in a PE lesson and we had to sort of like all the we were giggling and not you know making sure the boys didn't know what we've been up to and all it was really messed up actually when you look back it really messed up it's really crazy isn't it yeah my last podcast I just put out um was with uh Jamie Abrams who's like a well, she's a bit like you. She's been teaching wellness and health and stuff literally for 20 odd years. Um, and, you know, she's moved more into like the sex coaching world of things and, and actually okay. like sex relations, you know, relationship coaching, stuff like that. But, you know, we were having this whole conversation about actually how how crazy it is, how little education there is around, you know, menstruation and, and it, you know, taking it forward also into like understanding kind of, sex and relationships and whatever else but it's yeah. crazy that's something that every single like woman so literally 50 well maybe it's like 48 or 51 percent of the population whatever it is goes through and it's essentially yeah. just like shh, don't tell anyone and just you know stick it in yeah. there shh, don't let anyone know and it's like we're in 2023 and yeah it's even now even though i'd say it's getting better like it's still a, a one of those giggly subjects that you kind of go <laughs> like it's still it's still really odd it's still really odd and there's still so, a lot of misinformation and that that changes from culture to culture as well mm, that level of yeah. misinformation too and prejudice etc of course but in the west it's um yeah it's still it's still kind of odd um and uh yeah but i i can see it getting a little better that like for example sanitary wear is changing it's you know you've got options to have less chemicals in it no one knew about that like mm. I, I've only learned about that in the last five years and I'm I'm in this arena so you know the, the lay person how are they how are they going to know just the amount of chemicals that go into your skin using them and things like that I um I use uh wear them out now um they're, right. on, they're on Instagram uh reusable no chemicals really really good quality yeah and stuff it's quite an investment but long term of course it saves you money so I'm all over that now and uh, yeah. there's loads of different options so I think it's nice people are getting getting to um getting to know that and actually I was walking through Marks and Spencer's the other day just a shortcut through, <laughs> through the other side of town <laughs> they actually had period pants in there so that's quite that's a massive step yeah that's, man, definitely. I mean that's super cool that was really great to see but it's, it's kind of a shame in a way because little independence started those up uh, and, the and now stuff, it's... but now of course the big corporate corporations are getting into it it's still better though it's still better because because obviously they're not going to go into landfill, so there's there's so many different so yeah. many benefits for that. But yeah, it is my it is mind blowing. And just 
And with regards to women's health, there's there's so many things. And at, and for men too, actually, um, but I'm not too well-versed on that, but uh, subjects that don't get discussed with regards to, to well-being. And, and as you know, I teach pregnancy yoga, mm. uh, teach training, and, and even talking about birth, you know, to is that's another still kind of censored subject, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, everything around that as well. Do you, I mean, I, I don't know why this is because, you know, come off my head really, but like even post birth, let's say with women and men later in life, it's definitely true. But like even around like incontinence um, and, I, you know, this is a big thing, which I'm sure that you've had plenty of, of dealing with. Maybe we can just kind of chat about this for a little while. But like, because I know that I've kind of ended up working with quite a few women and men, there's a big, there's a massive things to do with men as well. And it's just, I mean, that's just not even talked about the fact that men might have like incontinence due to pelvic well, floor. Even that they've got a pelvic floor. Never heard it. I've never heard any instructor, apart from Ashtangis, that talk about Mulaband all the time, uh, yeah. you know, mention that men might have a pelvic floor. Yeah. Or will have a pelvic floor. You know, it's yeah. like, well, it's not that. They might. <laughs> they might. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, just... it's, it's very odd. But actually, as I said about pregnancy yoga, I thought, you know what, postnatally, it's even more so because baby's out. OK, let's crack on with life and get back to normal. But it's of course, it's never like that. Yeah. And I've talked to women that have had, uh, you know, even young women five years later were still suffering with still suffering with continence. They're bad. And as you know, that's all connected anyway. Uh, you know, going to the bathroom ones and twos. And it's just and they just. They're just putting up with it because they don't know who to go to. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of, uh, you know, it's suggested that I'll just go and get help, go and, go and get help. But where do you go and get help? I went to the GPs recently. I got and I, I do that very reluctantly because I've been quite disappointed before. Mm -hmm. And again, got no help. This yeah. is uh, for or with regards to hormonal levels currently. And it's just like, well, where, well even when you go and try and get help, it's not that great. No, I mean, and on that, I mean, I mean, Jen's had the same issues with uh, hormonal stuff with the GP she went and um and essentially they just said you're depressed to take some antidepressants right yes 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 and then I she said and she was like I'm not depressed I've been depressed I know what that feels like yeah she knows she knows what, what it I'm is. fully aware of that situation this is not what's going on there's something very different and it was like hmm well touch it take some antidepressants it's the not being listened to that really really irks yeah i think the, i mean that's why the... i mean yeah on the, I, I had a guy tommy uh tomo sorry on my podcast and i he's like a he's doing his phd in like endocrinology and stuff at the moment about toxins and uh mm. thyroid health and all sorts like this but he he works with lots of women in particular men and women but women in particular and it, i mean that's one of my most listened to podcasts now because i think all the women just went oh my god like he's just explaining everything I feel and then I've had quite a few of my clients go to see him and they've all said exactly what you said of like I felt listened to yeah and then you get the calm and then you're yeah. more receptive to what's offered exactly absolutely um well on that let's just jump back a little bit because we kind of got well, I want to get back to the maybe like the postnatal um We'll start postnatal, then we'll go prenatal. How about that? Let's go yeah, postnatal because I feel that, um, as you said, in today's societies, we are almost what well, we, I'm a man, I'm not told to do fuck all, but as a woman, you're essentially kind of pushed to go, I'm going back to work. I'm done. I'm pregnant. I've had my baby. It's out. Yeah. I've had six months. 
now I need to be size eight again. I need to uh, not piss myself when I go on a trampoline and I need to go back to work. Um, And so from, and I know obviously you haven't done your training. We kind of went into some of that, like, you know, it was kind of um, pregnancy side, but um, yeah, let's just kind of break. And that's before we even get, that's before we even think about, so think about continence, that's the thing that initially jumps to mind, but the extreme anxiety that a mother and baby can be, uh, or, tod- or toddler can can experience when they're apart as well, mm-hmm. which is just su- is suffocating. I, I used to get chest pains. I still do mm-hmm. sometimes. But I have to be away for work. It's just it's so painful. Mm-hmm. And even though they do your head in, <laughs> so I'm a mum of two, as you know, they drive you mad. They they they're yours, you know. Yeah. And they're like, all right, they're yeah, they're they're little nutters, but they're my nutters, and I don't. And they really <laughs> are actually a part of you. Do you know what I mean? They actually grew themselves within you. And and you yeah. kind of felt that whole thing. Yeah. So having to be a part when they're, especially when they're, they're, you know, in their first year to go back to it, even though I'm self-employed, I think people, when you're, when you're self-employed, they think you can pick and choose what you do, but it's actually, it's kind of the opposite as we Worse. just discussed, before, you know, well, a little while ago uh, before the podcast. It's, um yeah. And you always feel like you've got something to do. So I, I really struggle with, because I still consider myself postnatal. They're five and eight now, but I've still got repercussions of that. <laughs> Um, currently um but you know you think it's going to get better but I still get that separation anxiety and I still feel like I've always got something to do so sometimes when I'm with them I'm I'm not really engaging with them I'm thinking about you know making a list in my head I've got to email that person back I've got to message with I've got to do this and that and it's I'm not sure what the answer is to that I don't think I have the answer um apart from being a lot more selective with what work I choose so it's actually yeah. worthwhile doing so then I can put more money into our family life and more and more focused time which is obviously more important than money might we need money though um, yeah, yeah so it's a, it's a continuous juggling act and I think that really adds into the postnatal journey it's not just as you know it's not just a physical thing it's it's very mental and the, and mental and physical are completely and utterly intertwined anyway yeah um I know if I get anxiety which I'm very prone to my back starts to hurt my lower back and my diaphragm and then I get chest pain so it's all which I know you all know inside inside and out why that happens mm. so it's um it's uh it's all well I feel like that's the side that's not talked about and I don't think anyone wants to talk about it because they feel like they're being a bad mother yeah yeah um as well so I'd I'd like to you know at some point do a bit of writing about that and open up the conversation a bit more on that because it's perfectly normal and it's not just mums that have just had babies no I think it's for life to be honest my mum used my mum's past now but she used to say it's worse when you're grown the kids are grown up because you have no control over them so you don't <laughs> even know where they are I mean I went backpacking when I look back now I think oh it must have been awful folks I I got a one way to Sydney when I was like t- 20 uh 20 three or something I don't know how old it was early 20s I thought all right screw this I'm off I, I went to Oz got one way this is before smartphones or Facebook or anything so no one really knew where it was I hitchhiked I remember I hitchhiked with a lorry driver down the west uh, down WA down the whole coast he was sleeping back I mean what a matter I think I gave him $50 towards petrol so it was totally sound but um, I mean, oh, oh, just the things I used to do, the anxiety, her anxiety must have been through the roof. She never asked what I'd been doing, though, because she knew what I was like. So she yeah. never asked, you know, if you don't want to know, don't ask. But I think, God, the anxiety must have been awful. But I remember her saying that when you're, you know, when your kids are grown up, it's it's much, much worse. So I think I've got That's more really interesting. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I kind of, I mean, I've kind of said before, but like 
my mother's not exactly a maternal being like there's not a really many okay maternal bones in her in her body I don't think but like you know not in any way saying she's a bad mother but she's not a... no I just don't think that connection's made sometimes for and whatever yeah. reason and so I think from my perspective my whole family is very independent like we are just a very like we've all right. just fucked off and done our own things and it's like yeah we'll be in touch when we're in touch and we'll I'm going to live my life and you live your life and you know crack on um but then obviously that's a very it's definitely different for different people and I do wonder if it's like because we're definitely more of a bit of a in touch of our um emotions and stuff these days and say you know post-Victorian England sort of through to the stiff upper lip post-war type things yeah where you have to disassociate from everything yeah like like if people are, are much more like if parents and mothers probably feel it a lot more whether they probably did and they just went uh, well I just yeah, I'll just repress that and push that down somewhere yeah I reckon that that might have been uh, I, I often think about those times as well actually because my mum used to talk she'd have been um uh early 80s now she used to talk a lot about her mum and her mum's mum and how it was for them and I just I remember thinking and it was hard it was really flipping hard and um hard times as Dickens said um you know and I, I often thought they must have had to repress so much and that stiff upper lip I know we look we would mention that now you know like like with negativity but actually it was probably essential to get through life at that time mm. uh you know we didn't have the you know I've just not GPs but uh you know that's not that's not a general thing it's just my current my recent experience but um you know we didn't have the healthcare we have we didn't have you know just just all the stuff we have now yeah just you know what I'm getting at yeah and, yeah um, it's really hard time so I think I, I often wonder if they did just have to disassociate from what was going on in order to get through maybe that was better I don't know yeah <laughs> probably wasn't but <laughs> well it's always like Not grass is green space. it's probably always the grass is green I'm sure that some people would from then would look at it now and think it's better and then other times they'd probably look at it because yeah. I know my grandmother was like 94 when she died and she was very much like a stiff upper lip like type woman um like brilliant grandmother probably not the greatest mother in some ways but again like uh you know it was very much when we, we were we were grandkids and we would turn up at her house for we'd go for like two weeks over the summer and the parents weren't allowed to stay they were allowed to drop us off and then had to piss off and so the kids there was like be like seven cousins all hanging Strong out together boundaries. and essentially it was luckily we had a, a like a farm with like i don't know 10, 15 20 acres or whatever 10 i don't know how big it was but essentially it was like right feed them in breakfast piss off get outside and then mm. um come back in at lunch and then you can go off again and we just played in woods and went rowing boats over rivers and stuff and all sorts yeah and um you know I'm not saying you know she was That's amazing I loved it a bits but it was very much like a hands-off just like go and like scruff your knees and you know have accidents and just toughen yeah, up and brilliant. you'll be all right um and yeah it's kind of interesting that kind of parenting model compared to uh I guess Co what compared is to us helicopter parents now yeah, yeah I mean I don't think my mum ever walked us to school uh, well that's the same with me I literally remember walking to school okay it was like less than half like it was quarter of a mile probably maximum but I remember my big brother walking me and my little brother to school when he was probably nine I was yeah. seven and my brother was five and we right. just the three of us just like walk up the yeah. road to school like, can you imagine that happened now? On my own. Yeah. Can you imagine that now? <laughs> you just wouldn't. It was always all right. 
but yeah, a 10 year old walking the fight totally assembling weird. the fight drill to school yeah but going back to your thing you said about your mum about not you know did it, did mm. it feel she was maternal I've um I think that's something that's not discussed as well and I yeah. I remember with my first daughter I had had quite a very hard time in, in the labour and and I remember just feeling very numb for about the first year. I didn't feel a great, I, I knew she was my daughter and I, logically I had to protect her, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I had, I, I'd get the odd minute of where I felt deep love for her and then it would completely go. Mm-hmm. So I think, so it took about 18, I'd actually I'd say about 18 months to feel like a, a constant connection. And, um, you know, I didn't really discuss it with anyone because I didn't feel like anyone would, would get it. Um, but I mean, maybe there was someone other that would, but I didn't want to, I was very, I had high anxiety because my mum was dying at the same time and my stepdad was terminally ill. He's died as well now. So I had this mental anxiety and, um, I just, I was very worried she's going to be taken away from me. So that, so you go into this really dark place in your head and I feel like that's not talked about no, uh, absolutely. either. Um, and but I, I remember at that time thinking, oh, maybe how I'm feeling is why some women aren't maternal. It doesn't rectify for them. And that connection never gets made. Like, it's just I mean, something I pondered. What you've said no though makes, wrong. like, cause I was at my dad's the other week and we were, we were basically discussing my mum and her kind of maternal thing. Cause, um, and it turned like, and I'd never, my dad or, or my mum had ever said it, but like he had said, like when my big brother was born, they then like, there was never that close a bond, if you know what I mean between Tim and my mum and then Tim's my big brother and then they went on holiday without Tim like left him with my grandparents type thing when Tim was about I want to say like eight months or something like that oh okay and that was the first time like my dad said he'd like my mum was like crying or something and he'd said like he's he kind of found her she was like I really need Tim and that was like the first time that she'd really okay that and then after that 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 bonding process then begun from yeah. there so it's almost it like delayed yeah like six or eight months delayed from what most people get is they get the baby put it in their arms it's immediately there and I think yeah. that is the sort of thing which I mean I didn't know that and I've like you, you know I don't think any mother would probably ever really want to admit that because it seems like it's completely like, like it's a choice but I think it's chemical but it's all I mean but it's also like even if it's not a choice like like it's it's almost forbidden like it's a a bad thing to ever admit that like actually I've just yeah. grown this child but I don't have a an immediate connection with it and actually like we've said about this hormonal thing like with everything actually finding an understanding for someone and being able to kind of go that's cool do you know what I mean like it, you're this is not your fault and like yeah. actually being able to understand someone is far more important than just kind of making people feel like they have to hide it because again like you've said that's going to drive anxiety that's going to drive depression it's everything that goes and drive with oxytocin it. down which is your bonding hormone exactly so it's just this constant kind of seesaw of chemicals cycle. and sometimes you hit jackpot and, and a lot of the time you probably don't yeah. and again it's like you say it's no it's no one's fault it's just it's just it just happens sometimes but there does seem to be quite a correlation with birth trauma and that that feeling of disconnection I've noticed from talking you know teaching yeah. lots of women and I mean you've taught a lot of women as well I have it's my thing yeah and four and four men yeah so with your let's kind of go into your practice a little bit because obviously as you said because I like 
was it the your pregnancies which maybe put you in the direction of wanting to work with women particularly no, more? I was doing it ages before Were you? so I um I was always into the very um more um more shiva way of working shall we say yeah. it's a very fiery I used to teach loads of spin I used to power lift I would do long distance on my bike. I run <laughs> London Marathon four times, all this kind of thing. I couldn't sit still, basically. I'm still I'm fidgeting now because I'm having to sit on a bloody chair. This is a nightmare. Me too. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was always really, really on it, but I was just plagued with injuries all the time. So I never let my body. I didn't. I thought I knew a lot about the body at the time, but I didn't. I didn't at all. I knew a lot about muscles and joints and bones, but I didn't know about the endocrine system. I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't know about recovery. Uh, and yeah, so I was hammering myself. I mean, a massive exercise addiction with a couple of eating disorders chucked in as well. So my body fat was at sort of the same level as an athletic man. Yeah. And, and amenorrhea as well. So no periods for quite a while, which I didn't really care about. Then it didn't hinder my training. Yeah. So, so it wasn't, so on the outside, I looked like, <laughs> you know, maybe someone to, oh, I want to aim to look like her. You know, I did a bit of modelling here and there as well, but I was probably more, well, I would say more unhealthy than someone that hits the gym just twice a week and eats what yeah. they, what they, whatever they like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it took me quite a long time to realise that. And it wasn't till I, um, I don't even know how I found the training. I can't remember now, but I, um, my travels in Australia that I mentioned where I hitchhiked, I just found this beautiful yoga studio in Melbourne. It was called the Dance of Life and it was awesome. And it was, there was loads of um, Indian wall hangings up and beautiful incense. It was just, it was just really authentic and it was all purple and orange. And I loved it. And I turned up to class once there because I was in Melbourne for three months. I had, I had some work there doing care work. So I stopped there for three months and I was the only one to turn up. And I had this amazing one-to-one with this uh, chap there. I can't remember his name now. I mean, it was, it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and that just switched me on to yoga, you know. So I say to my students now, if even if you get one or two people to talk, do your best because they'll be with you for life. And I would have gone there for the rest of my life had I not had to move on, you know. Yeah. I went, I went to Thailand after that. And um, I was like, wow. You know, you get those light bulb moments. I was yeah. like, oh, hell yes. And I'd never felt like that before, like complete calm. Whereas before I'd do like a 10-mile run and go, I need more. Okay, I'll get a bite to eat, but I need more. I need to do this this afternoon. I'm going to go kickbox this afternoon. Then this evening, I'll do my weights and I'll stretch out before bed. I'll be up at six and I'll go again. I didn't have that thing. I was like, whatever happens today, I feel good. It was just all new to me. It was all new to me and my body felt really balanced. And um, long story short, I just I just never moved away from, from yoga. However, <laughs> those exercise addictions did rear their head again because then I got really, really, really into Ashtanga and hot yoga, which I'm not knocking. They were still better than what I was currently doing at that time, i.e. slowly killing myself. Um, however, I got so into it. I mean, I was hitting it twice a day, you know, Ashtanga, my sort of style, 6 a.m. and then Bikram. <gasps> I said his name. I'm so sorry. I mean, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> on that. And uh, again, you know, the eating stuff came back, and on all this kind of thing. And then, um, and then, so I was just circling back to when I said, and then I found this train. Then I found a training with Uma Dinsmore Tooley. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I really really dig, and she is a wonderful women's health yoga teacher. And I went to her pregnancy yoga training that was in 2007. And that was like 10 light bulbs went on. I was like, oh, my 
God, it's okay to practice gently. And actually, I feel even better again now. And it's yeah. just, it just showed me a, a much more gentle way of working, but still with massive benefit, uh, not only physically, but energetically as well. Yeah. Um, while still honoring the tradition of yoga um, and, and more importantly, honoring the female body. So I bring that into all my teachings now. And um, I still, you know, look back on, I've still got all her training manuals that I refer back to for my own practice, et cetera. And um, her, her book, Yoni Shakti, I refer to quite a lot. It's one of those books, it's so big, you can just kind of flop it open and, and read a page and you learn something completely new every time. And um, also on page seven or something, it's normally on the shelf here, but Jen's obviously put it somewhere else. But like she talks, <laughs> I was literally flicking through it when Jen first got it and on like page seven or something in like near enough in bold, it just talks about like cunt yoga, which <laughs> fucking cracked me up. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a... <laughs> That's yeah, strong... her thing, well, from my understanding, is she's reclaiming the word. Reclaiming the word. Well, that's exactly yeah, that's as it nice should be. It's it a Hindu be. word anyway, isn't it? It's not even exactly. ours. Exactly. Um, um, so, I mean, on that, though, okay, so I'm going to, I want to pull that part a little bit because yeah. um, I wanted to kind of, so anyone who knows me has been following me for a few years knows that, like, my yoga practice has become less and less since I did my training um, eight years ago. Uh, I trained Ashtanga and I... Um, I loved it prior to my training, but I was not like a like it. a six a.m. every day practice. So I do Ashtanga like maybe three days a week, and I'd never do the entire sequence. I would do all the standings, all like all the starting bit, and I'd kind of go up to like Navasana essentially, and then I would kind of maybe one or two other bits, and then I. Were well, you one of, of those Ashtangis? Well, I was That's when what I started. The crew would say. Yeah, exactly, but. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. And then I went and did the training and I just, uh, and I realised I fucking hated Ashtang. Yeah, because um, it's like, no, you can't just do this. It's this. It was, it was, it was seven days, oh no, sorry, it was five days a week. Uh, the sixth day we did more of a, um, just a vinyasa aimed at something type thing. But it was five days a week, every morning. Um, and I went, fuck, my body really hates this. Um, yes. And... And I, you know, I ended up constantly badgering them and going, can we do some fucking yin, please? Like, I'm over. So I want to do <laughs> some they yin. Loved you. And they were like, they were like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they were like, if you want to do yin, just go do it yourself. So I would go off and do my own yin practice on the beach. And like, I'm a big fan of Bernie Clark and I adore that man. Oh, like, yeah. He's like, amazing. Yeah. And, and I ended up when I, so I stayed on for a second month. And where were you? I was in Goa. Um, oh, so I, I could have guessed yeah yeah standard um so I ended up uh I was at Cranties and Goa um and so I ended up having to do like the drop-in classes this is basically a cheap way of like oh yeah stay for another month and I did some more training with my meditation teacher and it was like part of my payment was like all part of the way I I don't know I can't quite remember how, but I had to do, I had to teach the drop-in classes for experience. And so oh, yeah, yeah. just up. free experience. Um, free labor. And, and I ended up saying like, I want to do a, a yin class. And they were like, okay, you can do a yin class or a drop-in class. I had 53 people turn up for that drop-in class. Mm-hmm. There's normally like three or four people turned up for a drop-in class um of ashtanga or ashtanga vinyasa and i had 52 people turn up basically the entire beach turned up um because and and i and this kind of goes back to what you said i feel like is people don't 
I, I don't feel people have the ability permission. to necessarily, yeah, the permission to, to go gentle. And so actually yeah, when we someone don't. go, yeah. And so when someone says, oh, I'm going to do a gentle thing, actually, so like, I mean, it clearly resonated on a beach in Goa where everyone went, I, yeah, I want to just chill out and do absolutely nothing. Um, and it's, I do feel that with all of the craziness, like you mentioned, Bikram, um, whilst those practices are still happening, maybe not under those titles, and, you know, Patabi Joyce turned out to be a, a bit of a maniac as well and whatever else, like, I, I kind of feel there's more and more permission for those traditional practices to not necessarily be the main focus of yoga these days and actually gentle yeah. there's a guy jay brown i think his name is i don't heard of he does a podcast a yoga podcast right. it's quite an interesting uh, podcast but like his his thing is like gentle is the new strong and so he just yes. teaches like, it's actually really, harder in a way mentally i think gentle's harder because because you can go and do a strong busy. practice and it's like being at the gym you can go and like work your ass off sweat your nuts off doing inversions and yeah. arm balances and a million chaturangas and 500 navasanas and you can come away from it and you kind of go okay i didn't think about work but i just spent yeah. the entire time thinking can i work harder now and actually but having to sit there in stillness is much much harder it's much harder yeah yeah definitely well I started questioning my yoga practice because I I thought oh yeah this you know I'm nailing it whenever you think you're nailing it you're not because you're <laughs> led by ego right when you think you're nailing it you're being a dick <laughs> um so I, no, I that's, I, the, that's the advertising for this post for this video right now <laughs> I came back from Mysore with a with a bulging disc I didn't know it was at the time but I, later on scan and stuff I, you know so that's that's the point I had to get to extreme pain through my entire spine down my legs I was hobbling around my sort of people like what have you done I was like oh yoga um it was after a big <laughs> backdrop I got I came up and went whoa that wasn't right that's the point I had to get to to actually start listening to my body and start seeking out other ways um of moving it still took me a, a good few years though to completely drop that way of working yeah yeah um and you know if i look at old photos i still think oh completely different look body you know aesthetic so you know in, give that to, to anyone they'd probably go oh yeah well that one's fitter and you know and therefore better but actually much less healthy i remember my science teacher at school i was about 12 he said fit and healthy are two completely different things yes. and i never forgot yes. that and i learned yes. that the hard way i do a lot less exercise now i still do something every day I'm more, more laxed on my diet. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not light. I'm 12 stone, but I'm much healthier. I actually yes. sleep for a start. I mean, not great at the moment. It's perimenopausal, but I sleep. I, you know, my back is healing. That's been a, maybe that's a whole nother podcast. That's been a long journey. Uh, my back is healing. I discovered I've got scoliosis um, after, after the, the herniated disc. Actually turned out to be three discs. I've got the hat trick. You know, I'm all or nothing. It turned out to be three discs. Um, <laughs> Nailing it. I'm totally nailed the hat trick. Um, that, you know, it, again, it took me to that level to start exploring. I actually realised I had scoliosis after that incident, after the disc mm. incident. And, and you know, that's how fast I was moving. If it, I didn't even notice I had scoliosis. That's how out of my body I was. And now yeah. when you look at me, it's like, yeah, of course you've got scoliosis. It's so obvious. But that's how much I think people use movement, exercise, ashtanga, whatever it is, to stay busy. Yeah, yeah. So coming yeah, back yeah. to your, you know, um, uh, what do they teach? Relaxed is the new strong or something. Yeah, gentle is the new strong. 
yeah I could 100% agree with that it's it's challenging to mentally you've got to flex that mental muscle haven't you in order to do it because when you get still then the shit comes up you've got to deal with and people do not want to do that myself included I'm definitely in that camp absolutely and I have days where I'm like okay I'm ready for the pain let's bring it up I've got a few hours to deal with it before the kids come home yeah I'll do some journaling I'll cry a bit you know, I'll get a bit angry. I may go and punch some things and then, you yeah. know, and then it, I'm good till next time. But you, I think you've got to have that space to be able to do it and also know what's going on. That's another thing that does my head in about the yoga scene. I feel like there's not enough aftercare either. So they'll kind of spin you up. You know, the teacher will spin you up and open all your, they'll talk about opening all your chakras and then just like, see you later, see you next week then. It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. Hang yeah. on a minute. You've left this person wide open. Their back hurts, <laughs> their heart's wide open, so that hurts too. They've got high anxiety because they've no idea what's going on, and now they're, they're sobbing. Um, yeah, that's a that's yeah. a whole other thing that uh, the yoga industry, because it is an industry it's now, absolutely, of course, you know, it's worth an awful lot of money, um, is doing too. And I, it's um, yeah, it's it's not it's not great, but I feel like the the slower the yoga, the more gentle the yoga, the more we can do that, the more the uh, there's space to talk about the aftercare and there's space to do a lovely long shavasana and shut the chakras down and let the body come drop back down with regards to adrenaline release and let the oxytocin start flowing. So you should feel calm at the end of a class. I just remember feeling really stressed. Yeah. Like, but stressed was such a, a normal state for me. And again, I think that's very common. That I didn't mind it. I didn't actually know any different. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like pre, pre um, starting to record. We I brought up about Wim Hof and actually I think what you've just said there um kind of ties over to that as well and you know we kind of said as you said and I've kind of said previously but people aren't ready to to not think that Wim Hof isn't necessarily a good thing for everyone and I kind of feel it's the same for yoga like it's, it, it's hilarious in some ways that people think you can't hurt yourself in yoga um because it's movement you know you can definitely hurt yourself doing walking and it's big ranges of movement it's big ranges of movement um but that idea of calming down the nervous system and it technically, so I'm going to um, just talk Wim Hof for a minute here, just because sure. I, I, as I said to you pre-thing, I worked a night shift this week and I had a guy who came in younger than me who has basically turned up with chest pain having in the last like few weeks started doing the Wim Hof method. And he's noticed that since doing that, he's been getting all of this like chest pain and what, and yeah people don't seem to understand that whatever you do, you need to be able to understand that there could be risks for a start. But in the Wim Hof method, they're supposed to, technically, the the, the breath holds are supposed to be the calming bit because you do it with no, no air in your lungs. You don't have the stress response that you get from carbon dioxide ticking um, your, excuse me, chemoreceptors off. I feel like I'm going to burp, I don't think I am. Sorry about that. Um, but... Um, and the same in Ashtag, you know, same in yoga and whatever else. Like, if you don't get a chance to downregulate afterwards, you're you've basically just and it, okay. If you're doing a really gentle yin class, and you're you're not, you're not going to be ramping yourself up as such unless you're a maniac and going to extreme ends. But again, yeah, hopefully you can listen to yourself and realize that's not the point. But if you aren't downregulating afterwards, I think with Jen and I, for us, like the shavasana is like the big part, and I really and you know it's kind of one of those things where. It can almost. I remember doing my Ashtanga training, as I said, and there was almost these proper Ashtangis 
unlike me, but who like the idea of like giving this really long, relaxing, going around, giving a little massage, anything like that. That was like, no, don't do that. What are you talking about? That's mental. Yeah, hell. And actually that's the bit which most people want to come for. Most people who come to our classes, especially Jen's, because yeah. she goes all out with fucking incense and stuff. And I'm not necessarily quite that much, but you know, they, but they love it. And that's what they want. That's all people want these days is just to be able to let go and relax. But it didn't used to be like that, I don't think. People are like, well, what's the point of your fasting? It's not burning any calories. Well, exactly. Like, what's, what's the yeah. point in that? I mean, and I, I remember, used to think like that too, till I yeah. learned. I mean, I did nervous. not. I, I, I was, was always one of those just people. Like, I was always just like, what? I just get to lie down and do nothing. Amazing. Um, yeah. Or, and then when I started teaching yoga more more full time, I was like, it started to really annoy me when people left before the, before the Shavasana. Um, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Um, before I, I mean, I don't know, quite a few years now. Uh, what I think my first foray into yoga was like body balance, like Les Mills body balance. Oh, yeah. And I just remember, I like like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's fun. And then, but I just remember like you go through like the Tai Chi bit and then you do the yoga bit and then there's a bit of Pilates and then you finish with the Shavasana essentially. And I just remember like three quarters of the class just gets up and leaves. Yeah. And you're it's like, such a shame. That's the most important part. It's such a shame. It's such it's a crazy. shame. Yeah, I don't mind body balance. I think it's just functional movement. It's just it's just increasing range of movement a little bit, working on yeah. balance. What's not to love? Yeah, absolutely. And I know I know people knock it, but people will knock anything. But um, and for me, it was my whole path into yoga, which for same. me, I'd done it at my gym where I worked as a personal trainer, and I was like, oh, I feel kind of nice after this. But it's for me, because for me, it's a, mine's been a journey of like my body's a mess, and I need to figure out why because my knee hurts when I run and so on. I don't enjoy running but I can't and then this hurts and I can't and my back is like so everything's yeah. always been a how can I do something to improve my own body and for me those kind of practices were like oh this led me the body balance then led me to oh I really enjoyed the yoga side and then I was in Canada and I did I was snowboarding and I loved oh, I doing all great the yoga. yoga scene there yeah yeah it's so good and then you know that's then led me down every other path which has led me to where I am now which is the oh. anatomy and motion and the movement and the movement development practices and whatever else um and so yeah it's kind of understanding that actually just functional movements and consistency with those movements is probably far more important than having a dedicated 90 minute like strong practice yeah. and as as you said fit and healthy being two completely separate things two different things and i see you know i'm against the gym after this and i i know i'll see at least 10 men in the weights area with kyphosis you know and women actually there's a lot more women in the weights area these days which and, is and also doing I, that, I, doing I used that. To, my powerlifting gym i yeah I uh, used to be the only woman there. So it's nice to see more more women uh, in hitting the weights for sure. But, you know, I guarantee 90% of them will have some degree of kyphosis. So, again, we're moving towards, uh, you know, compression of the lungs and diaphragm and uh, yeah. lower back issues, neck issues and whatnot. Um, but, but yet, they'll feel – and, again, I used to have kyphosis from doing the wrong kind of weight, so I'm not knocking it. It's, it's, a, it's a journey you go on, you know, and yes. you hopefully learn from it. Uh, I had rotator cuff injuries from it. And a shallow breath all, problem. All been there. Um, you know, you, you look fit. You look like you're on, on the right path. But but no, you know, we, what, what would be more ideal is, you know, is to halve that weight training session and then open up the body by stretching afterwards. And Yeah. And I think, I, mean, I, mean, I think, as you said, though, I think rounding back to almost how we started with the menopausal side, though, like actually getting some women to weight train 
even it doesn't mean you don't have to be powerless. Oh yeah, but I love like, watching it. But but it's one of those things, and again, it's kind of I don't know public or you know norms of society of like women seem to think as soon as they're going to go and lift weights, they're going to look like Arnie. Um, oh, if only. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? But you've got to put some serious work, but you can lift weights and especially postmenopausal or, you know, perimenopausal into postmenopausal, like lifting weights is going to be hugely important in particular for women because you guys have got the fucking shit show of like once you've finished menopause, your, your increased chance of osteoporosis is like exponentially more. Yeah. Yeah. And also, well, there's so we're actually going to do a post on it today about um, about the benefits of weight training for women um, on the on the old Instagram. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, as, as you know, there's there's so many benefits, especially past 40, because I've just ha- ha- written an article on it, actually, about how collagen production starts to drop in women past 40. So you absolutely must do some sort of resistance training to help counteract that. Because as soon as collagen starts to drop, bone density starts to drop too, risk of injury goes up. And then there's the body image side of things as well. So women who weight train, it's been shown over and over again by a scientific study that they have better body image of themselves and they regard regard the way they look um, more favourably. And and of course, aesthetics isn't everything, but let's face it, it is something. You can't completely ignore it. No. And if you feel better in yourself, you feel better mentally, you know, you feel more confident to do things, you can you're more comfortable going online, you know, just so many things. I, I think again, it's almost like have a, to be a dirty rich. word now to say you want to look good, you know, whatever yeah. you think good is, of course, that's subjective. But I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and who are we to say what someone else should do anyway? Absolutely. But also, I think what you said, though, it's like you don't have to look ripped to feel comfortable in your body. Like, you know, just. Oh, I love a, a bit cha- of jiggle. But just a change in shape might like make you feel really, really uncomfortable in your own body. Like, you know, as from an outside perspective, maybe you don't somebody else doesn't even notice you've really changed. But in yourself, you feel like, oh, my jeans are just a bit tight. whatever, And that can have like like a negative effect. And, And actually just being able to kind of go when I lift or when I move and I bear my own body weight, whatever it is actually I do feel better about my own body and my own body's ability like it's not yeah. necessarily going to change your shape it might not even change your shape but actually having an understanding of your body's own ability can make you feel so much better in your own health yeah. and as you say the knock-on effects for bone density and strength and collagen and all of these other bits and pieces all then have a, a plus point so that when you are 65 you're not ending up in A&E with a broken wrist or hip or back and not even able to carry your own shopping that kind of thing I've you know I've got um you know older relatives and they're like well you know I just had to get someone to help me do that and it's like well you you should be able to carry a shopping bag yeah really but if you keep asking someone to help you of course you're not going to be able to because now you've got muscle wasted so it's that but if you know for me if I'm if I'm consistently weight training I I don't get mad with I work quite light now but I do high repetition um it's I just feel more confident I'm like oh yeah I can lift that I can move that bit of furniture yeah I can lift my kid up it's fine yeah. I don't have to question it before when I was only doing one it's only doing an awful lot of yoga which actually increased my hypermobility massively yeah. because I was doing the wrong kind of yoga too much um and added to the disc problem on my back and scoliosis again loads of stuff there we could discuss another time yeah. I mean what um, you just said there sorry I'm just going to go back to a high rep my kid up 
Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean that from my perspective on women who come to see me, that hit hard. I mean, they always favour one side because that's the side which their body wants to favour. Um, and yeah. obviously, the repeated usage of that is always then going to drive into, and especially if you're then, and that kid's a progressive overload, right? Exactly. It's getting heavier. Um, but it was really interesting. I saw a post from Andy Galpin, who he's been on like um, Andrew Huberman's podcast, and he works in that whole world. And he's a, uh, I think he's just, I think he's a researcher in strength and conditioning type thing but you know he was saying essentially um high reps and low weight if you're going to um fatigue and you're going to endpoint has exactly the same benefits as doing right. h- uh, high weight low reps i think i said that yeah, yeah so yeah, high, high reps low weight um has exactly the same effect on the body as doing the high weight low reps but yeah. you don't have to put as much proceed stress and the, the downside to doing high weights so i used to work um to one rep i'd work from six repetition max down to one rep max right yeah but then i you know i talked to the guys in the gym and there was problems with knees hemorrhoids yeah. uh bracing diastasis recti this was in men and i was i remember sitting on the bench when i was getting ready to do a deadlift and i was 135 kilos and i was like i don't think i want to be like this when i'm 40 like mm-hmm. looking at the guys you know and uh, and I, I kind of just moved away from it. I, I was a shame because I loved it, and I, I, you know I was going to compete, um, but I just thought, yeah, no, this this is going to really damage me. And I already had quite a lot of injuries, and I was like, I don't want to be getting knee replacements at twenty six. I just don't want it. So no. um, so I think there's a lot less risk. At, well, I I know there is a lot less risk as well. We're doing high rep, low weights. I think there's tons and tons of benefit. I just want to say I I don't I don't want this podcast to come off like I'm knocking working high intensity <laughs> at high intensity level with yoga or any other method. I think it has its place. Yes. It's just don't do it all the time. Yes, and I, but I think the problem is, and this is um, the post I was trying to post, which Instagram decided not to post. But like the the problem with this stuff is is that what we see on Instagram and social media and stuff is only really the high intensity stuff. So that's what people seem to automatically feel is the only thing which has the benefit. Now, again, it's the same with everything. It's the same with Wim Hof or it's the same with Pateko. Like there is good times and there's bad times for either one of these things. You know, powerlifting and, you know, low low intensity, high rep stuff. Like there is good times and bad times for anything like you, but you as a person needs to understand your own body. And I think this is probably where, you know, the biggest thing either of us have learned from yoga partly is that we kind of can break ourselves doing it, but also is just an ability to understand your own body and actually be able to take that in body and actually turn it into an embodied practice. I think what it sounds like with you when you started doing Ashtanga same with me was actually just because you're doing yoga doesn't mean that it's an embodied practice and actually learning to embody yourself through movement and through breathing teaches you more than any other practice could really ever do yeah yeah and actually i just coming back to your um i'm so so i'm jumping around a little bit but your your comment about breath retention and wim hof i found that interesting because when i did my pranayama we were very lucky on my stanga training i did in 2004 we had a, an amazing uh pranayama teacher there from north of india um and his name was tawari sri uh, tawari yeah and uh, we were ever so lucky to, to get him and he taught us that breath retention actually stimulates the system so i'm interested in uh Again, maybe we don't have time to talk about it now, but how Wim Hof talks about that as down regulation. 
So because yeah. most likely, I would suggest, because breath retention on the inhale, so will have yeah. more of a stimulating effect because you end up having this, like the CO2 is respond, is like triggering your uh, chemo receptors. Whereas yeah. when it's oh, on so the it's opposite, exhale. Exhale. No, 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 no. It will be on an inhale still, but it will be after you've already blown off all of the carbon dioxide. So you have ah. no, because you hyperventilate so strongly, your level of carbon dioxide completely drops through the floor. So there's no CO2 to trigger your chemoreceptors to tell you to breathe so therefore okay, you can sit there in this weird blissed place where you feel no urge to breathe so therefore you can completely relax for a, this long period right. of time i still am not that this is my thinking on the process i would still suggest that um, there's far better ways and actually low slow gentle quiet exhale dominant breath would be a far better way to downregulate the system than surely that's going to be better for the general public who are generally inexperienced with all this no yes that would be my logical brain kicking in that would be my um my thinking too but unfortunately um like with yoga the... don't go do muscle class don't do muscle ashtanga when you're new to yoga it's the same with breath work isn't it people think because it's breath it can't hurt you uh yeah it can and like also wim hof is a right? very very um charismatic crazy dutch guy um uh, and so you can kind of go wow look what he can do i want to do that um yeah. and really being able to you know we're humans aren't we everyone goes i want to do the crazy shit and i'm the same but i think i've just yeah. managed like you i think we've both managed to learn that um easy when i did london marathon you'd see people that clearly never run before yeah. i'm gonna do a marathon how about you walk around the block every evening yeah <laughs> start with that but again it's that I can do that, you know, that kind of, you know, the, the 80s uh, epidemic of uh, positive thinking. Do you remember all the self-help books and everything? Yeah. You know, that, you know, we, we kind of, I remember getting swept up in that. And it did help me an awful lot, actually, because I was quite depressed as a kid. So, again, I'm not knocking it, but it's, it's to a point. Yeah, you can do anything to a point unless it's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, that, and again, you can do, like, I mean, you look at David Goggins, that guy is a freaking maniac and, like, you know he he's run until his knees are basically completely destroyed and he still runs and yes you can but do you oh, really that guy, yeah he's hilarious i mean he's hilarious he swears I, a lot yeah stay hard yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. um like i love him to to a certain point but the same that's, and, and that's he, negative exercise addiction though it, it is but it's also he's the kind of guy who is he he's pushing he literally wants to see what the end how like, far can i go what, what is the how far can this human day which is amazing because you need you want some people like that who are just because it's it's amazing to it's see frame what, of reference what, then, isn't there? exactly but at the same time for 90 but bear in mind he was a navy seal and all sorts of crazy stuff so yeah you know, he's got a certain mindset he's at that end but for 90 percent, 95 percent of the population really as you said starting go for a walk maybe yeah, they can't even stand up straight but all, <laughs> I, I have people come into yoga, you know, when I used to teach more vinyasa yoga. Can I do a headstand? I'm thinking, you can't even do Tadasana, mate. Yeah. Look at your shoulders. I wouldn't yeah. say that, but I'd discourage them from it. I'd be like, yeah, we're not doing headstand this class. No, can, not today. Work on your posture first. Yeah, let's get you to move your shoulder somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it is that thing of I say to people when they say, oh, I'm going to take up the couch to 5K. And I was like, okay, cool. If you're going to do that, though, why not, bearing in mind you're starting at the beginning, start of your breathing as well so when you're running yeah only nasal breathe 
So, and that, and that way you're built in to be able to run 5Ks, all nasal breathing, and you'll improve every aspect of your cardiovascular health. Literally from, everything. But no Brain one wants health, to do it because actually they everything. just want to get straight to running. They just want to, and then they're... Yeah, I do feel like, I'm, you know, as you know, my ba my background is a lot of fitness. So, you know, I was a personal trainer, et cetera, as well as yoga teacher. I do feel that the breath is the thing that's missed out in most fitness uh, I 100 And I think in yoga, do you know what I mean? That's such a shame, what, such a if, missed opportunity. If you've had a good yoga practice or teaching, then the breathing does become, you know, the main aspect of it. But um, um, anyway, yeah. we've gone for over an hour now, I think, and uh, we've still not we've gone. in all your... directions, haven't we? I know, it's gone. Yeah, it's been good, though. Um, we, we'll do another one and we'll try and uh, rein in some of these bits even more. Um, <laughs> but as everyone knows, the podcast is called Move, Breathe, Live, and um, I want to hopefully bring people a little something that they can maybe bring into their life to help them move, breathe, or live happier, healthier life. So what could you maybe as with all your 20 plus years experience in the health and wellness world what could you bring for someone to to do oh well um it's going to be much more simple than probably people expect just do something regular just consistency is key this is what i've learned over the years uh, and i've been quite incapacitated sometimes with my back injury and surgeries and whatnot that i've had um so just little and often, I think works for most people. So these sort of big goals of running a 10K at some point, that's wonderful. But just like you've just said, start small and do something every day because before you know it, you've done two hours exercise in a week and that's actually quite a lot. Mm. So, if, so say if you just do fifth, 10 minutes in the morning, it could just be walking your kids to school instead of driving and then walking to the supermarket later instead of driving, getting canvas bags to a shop and to equal either side, there's some resistance training, job done that's it you don't even have to pay a gym membership people think they've got to put a lot of money into this they really really don't when you're putting laundry in the washing machine squat down don't bend forwards you know going up the stairs take two stairs at a time maybe walk around oh. house i did this in lockdown i had an, a, a latex band around my legs and i'd walk the kids would laugh at me i'd walk around i'd be like the gym shut i gotta get something you know, I got this to is amazing i love it and before you know it you've done an hour long resistance training on your legs so, um, I mean, put it around your thighs, otherwise you'll trip over things. But, um, <laughs> not your ankles, that would be hilarious. Uh, so consistency is key. I've got a, a new um, platform just opened up this week. It's Sally Parks Yoga Club, and we've got a ton of stuff on there from five minutes through to an hour. Um, the focus is women's health. Of course, men and anyone in between the genders can, can you know, join. There'll be something for everyone. It's not for profit. It's two, uh, you can get two weeks free trial all on my website, just head over there, sallypartsyoga.com. And then thereafter, it's £5 a month, literally £5 a month just to cover my costs and my teachers' costs. Uh, it's not just me teaching, I've got some other excellent teachers. So if you need some guidance from actual professionals, <laughs> then uh, there's classes for everyone on there. And we're adding things in every week. So next week, we've got a new release. We've got, I'm going to have a uh, just 10-minute Pilates classes. There'll be Pilates for shoulders, Pilates for the back, Pilates for the glutes, etc. That'll be uploaded next week. Following week, I've had a lot of requests for weight training for women. So I'll Amazing. be putting some weight training drills up on the next oh. week. So there's going to be new releases every week. It's cheap as chips. Uh, you know, you just miss out on one coffee a month in order to pay for it after the free trials uh, over. Or just do the free trial and then check out. That's also cool. I've got YouTube as well. Again, just my name, Sally Parcher. Oh. Up on there and, as well. and that's really where people can find you everywhere. What's that? 
is that and that's where people can find you if they want to come find you so i'll obviously put all of this in the show notes so thank instagram you. i know you just got hacked but you've still got i did just get hacked yeah so i would let's say it's be on the safe side website cool website. And my phone numbers on there you can people can whatsapp me that's cool cool well, yeah. I love, I mean, literally all of those little bits you just said of like around the house, going shopping, squat down to do your laundry, et cetera. Love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's to me, that's, that's what, it's just human movement. Just the, you know. Just move well human when you move. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sally. I, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you do because I oh, do thanks. appreciate it. And like, I absolutely love my training. As a man, if you are a man listening to this and you think that maybe actually doing something um, towards pregnancy or post or prenatal or anything like that. Yeah, we've got fertility training as well. That's with another teacher, Naomi Louise Rudge, and, um, and menopause training starting in February. So we, we've kind of got the whole whole female cycle now babes <laughs> so definitely go and check sally out on that as a man i'm saying that so if you're a male yeah. yoga teacher definitely go and see sally because she's the cool one she's definitely the person you want to go and train with if you're a dude <laughs> thank you i love and dudes so. love dudes yeah you do yeah you do <laughs> uh right well thanks sally and um, thanks, thank you all for listening and we'll see you all next week cheers guys oh thanks a lot mish okay